do it. Even if your favorite movie of the year was some fucking Marvel bullshit, at least it would be honest. Like, like what's his name? Right. Um, it's this guy I, you know, I had him on my podcast a couple times. He's, he's from, I think, North Carolina. Big fucking comic nerd, right? And so, like, you know, that year, his favorite, his best movie of the year was Endgame. And I was like, you know what, though? I believe that. That That's you. And that's great. Because that's his shit. You know, he'd have other, yeah. like, very good movies on that list. But number one was Endgame. And I was like, you know what? I kind of respect it. <laughs> I, I think you're an idiot. But I respect that choice. <laughs> like, that's good. <laughs> that's who you are. I think you should. That, I think that should be the introduction. Cut out who you just called it, an idiot, but just let that's it right. drift in. Because now the ball's back that's in right. your court. The Dave. idiot. That's right. That's you go right. back to the yeah. list. Yeah. yeah. All of my emotions feel the same. Feel the same. If you don't like where this is going, look away. Look away. You're not in my way. You're in my path. Look at that. All of my emotions feel the same. What a laugh. This was a pretty, a relatively easy decision, I think, for me, uh, because sexy trains. Well, not just because of sexy trains, <laughs> although that is helpful and a tie-in to both of these movies. Um, but when you know, because a lot of what we're doing is like one of us will pick a movie and then the other one will kind of bounce off that. And an affair is something that there's plenty of in cinema. It's not like other categories where you're like, oh god, I'm gonna have to try and find a way. To make this, we work. have one coming up uh, yeah. in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> Challenging, while it was easy for me. Yeah, easy for me. It was a little bit more difficult for you. Well, I think in general, don't you think? Don't you think all these, all these will be easier for you? Because like you don't have a limitation. You don't have a list you're working from. It's just like whatever bullshit Mike pretends to like that week. We're gonna we're gonna go with that. I, mean, so. I have the list. <laughs> I have my. Mike's Mike's <laughs> list of movies you must see. Uh, right. So yeah, so this it's was on a stone tablet. But I wanted to really dive into the cinephile aspect. I wanted to – because when we talked about it on Facebook, Facebook really goes for the sex. Um, so I wanted to pick a movie about an affair that is like – it's it's strange because it's like passionate yet chaste. Um, and that's I think what we find in Brief Encounter. So I was watching this and it was like – this is a movie I've seen before. And, I was, and as I was – even when I was picking it, I was like, oh, this is going to piss Mike off so much. <laughs> Not only is it from a long time ago, it's in black and white. The accents are a lot. Uh, the British accents mm. are a lot. They sound. It's mm-hmm. funny because it's a very middle class story, but the I think to the American ear, it sounds very upper crust. Uh, the way that they speak, um, and the two characters never have sex in this movie. They, there's not even like a, they're going to have sex, and there's a fade to black. They are always interrupted. Yeah. Uh, so no Truman Show moment. Yes. In that exactly. All right, I'll I'll surprise you a little bit, Dave. Uh, I really like this. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I would knock it on Letterbox a half star, just because, like <laughs> no you fucking. said, no fucking. Yeah. So uh-huh. that's a half star demerit right there. Uh, I also will knock you, although you're playing your part very well. This is not while the apartment is uh, is a classic, uh, definitely of the more populous bent, uh, and as we talked about in that episode, surprisingly sort of modern in, in tone in this comedy. Uh, Are you saying this is this it? Not... <laughs> <laughs> well, 1945 <laughs> premieres in London, a pure romance. 
capital R romance. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to the Rotten Tomatoes page, whatever box art they're using, whatever poster, it's essential art house brief mm-hmm. encounter. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh god, not only not only art house, but essential, <laughs> essential. art house. <laughs> However, uh, as we said uh, last episode when we we're previewing this selection of yours, it's on HBO. Yep. Can't be too bad, right? It's on, you know, HBO. <laughs> I, I feel like HBO, when they do pull from Criterion, it's only the stuff that is uh, palatable to. <laughs> it's guess, not, as a, your wife would call it, audience. stuff from the boring channel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my wife actually has that. She's like, would you please stop? Like, just, I think she calls it the old people channel Criterion <laughs> collection, just like. Um, which I mean, I, they do have some modern stuff on there. I don't know how uh, entertaining uh, those those uh, selections are, but anyway, the biggest issue I have with the film it's actually not the lack of fucking because I feel like the personalities involved. I, I don't think I don't know if either one of these characters could handle an affair yeah. proper. Yeah, I got really let loose. <laughs> Even the way they, they kiss, the it's very just like smashing our faces together. Like we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> Well, they're very, they're very fragile people, yeah. and like you know, in our last episode, <laughs> CNN dot com was calling Don Lane sexually supercharged. You would not say that about either one of these characters. Um, it's almost played as if um, that they had never thought previously about an affair before. I mean, I don't know if that's an accurate read, but it's like something that just accidentally. No, I think that's hundred percent true. Accidental thought in their head, yeah, and then they become consumed by it, and they can't mm-hmm. wait to shed that possibility from themselves because it's ruining their lives. Just the mere thought that they could do something other than what their lives are now, and they went, "By God, when you cut to the the homestead, when you cut to the the husband doing his crosswords, Oof. it." Uh, it, it makes you wonder how come this idea had not come to you before. My goodness, <laughs> this like, should have. <laughs> and your obnoxious children, like just yelling at you as soon as you get home. Oh, yeah, it is. It is a lot. I, you know, I was watching this and I was like, God, of course I like this movie. We've talked about this on other podcasts before, like back when mm-hmm. we uh, were doing a podcast directed by, and we were doing Scorsese in the Age of Innocence, and I talked for way too many minutes about the longing, Mike, the longing. Uh, what, and is it, say, what is with you in this? Why, why this do is, you like this so much in your romance films? And this is, we have it here again. Like, I think, and especially, like, I'm really impressed with this movie because it kind of, it's it's one of those movies that, it's a trope at this point now, but kind of, you know, it starts at the end and then we kind of go back and review how we got there. So that moment when he lies his hand on her shoulder before he leaves, I think, you know, hits like a sledgehammer at the end of the movie. Where at the beginning of the movie, you're kind of like, oh, well, oh, that's weird. They have this weird thing going on. I'm not sure why I should care about that moment. But I think the movie does a pretty wonderful job of building that moment up by the end of the movie. And it's almost all voiceover. Was, that a, uh, was Carol sort of a throwback to that? Because I just recently Felt watched like... Carol for a Trilogy in Theory. And very yeah. similar uh, dinner sequence and then the mm-hmm. you know being interrupted and then the slight sort of physical... Uh, goodbye uh, before and that that god that fucking longing of yours that you know, I'm, <laughs> dave i'm trying to save you by presenting films where you know oh no the the wind has moved my skirt and maybe i need to take shelter from this storm with this moderately attractive frenchman what could happen 
Yeah, That's all it takes. No, let nature, literally, <laughs> literal nature, just let it take its course and direct you. Yeah, no, not for me. Got to have, got to have the longing. And it, but it was interesting to watch this because I think you know, Age of Innocence aside, I think now in kind of modern film, I think we associate that longing with queer love stories, uh, that thing mm, you yeah. cannot have. So it's interesting to go back, go back and be like, no, this has kind of always been a thing like that. Not only the forbidden aspect, but the almost aspect and like having to push those boundaries if they were going to make it there and i think it's it's interesting because i think the movie you know kind of punishes these characters maybe a little bit too much like that sequence where they almost get caught by the friend of his where he's like using his friend's flat to like you know Mm -hmm. bring back his (laughs) his new woman and like we live in a modern age and this is a service fair yes yes of course it um, caters for all tastes well, now, my dear Alec, you have hidden depths, which I never even suspected. Okay, Steve, now... For heaven's sake, Alec, no explanations or apologies. I am the one who should apologize for returning so inopportunely. It's quite obvious to me that you are interviewing a patient privately. Women are frequently rather neurotic creatures, and the hospital atmosphere is upsetting to them. By the rather undignified scuffling, which I heard when I came into the hall, I gather that she beat a hasty retreat down the back stairs. I'm surprised at this farcical streak in your nature, Alec. Such carryings on are quite unnecessary. After all, we've been friends for years, and I am the most broad-minded of men. I'm really very sorry, Stephen. I'm sure that the whole situation must seem inexpressibly vulgar to you. Actually, it isn't in the least. However, you're perfectly right. Explanations are unnecessary, particularly between old friends. I must go now. Very well. I'll collect my hat and coat. Goodbye. Perhaps you let me have my latchkey back. I only have two, and I'm so afraid of losing them. You'll know how absent-minded I am. You're very angry, aren't you? No, Alec, not angry. Just disappointed. It is so utterly British, like the the conversation that they have, you know, this whole, like, I'm not upset with you, I'm just disappointed, now I'd like my key back. And I was like, oh, jeez, this is a brutal, like... You man-slut, how could <laughs> yeah, you? Yeah, like... exactly, I was just like, that have... is no friend, <laughs> that is no true friend, you need better friends, buddy, because, uh... But, okay, alright, so here's, here's where we get into Dave's old-time radio hour. <laughs> Part of me is more forgiving of this man, because I assume the period that this is transpiring in that those are the social norms yeah. of whoa whereas uh, i mean we did uh we, we did uh, jungle fever uh, on a podcast directed by and spike lee also plays maybe not as a cruel to your face friend but not a very helpful friend no. as far as holding your secrets <laughs> and so i thought of that i'm like well even a relatively modern even though that film's you know 30 years old at this point film uh, people don't know how to handle the affairs of people in their social circles. Like it's almost like an imposition on us as far as like, damn it. Like I thought I, I knew how the clock was wound, how things worked. And now I have to like, <laughs> do I have to treat you differently? Do I have to like guard your secrets? Do I have to like, if I see your wife, how do I get, and he, of course, you know, this is Kentucky accent and all uh, Dave is now a citizen of Kentucky. So I'm throwing <laughs> him in with that lot. Um, the accent doesn't help 
the the judginess of the scene. Yes, I think. Yes. <laughs> so you can't help but come across as uh, somewhat demeaning and arrogant. The little uh, uh, talking to that he gives his friend about using using his uh, his apartment as his uh, sex pad. I mean, so which didn't happen, by the way. Yeah, of course, didn't have sex. No. Had to sneak out the back door. So this could get me in trouble, Mike. Um, yes, do it. But I would like to think that if a friend of mine was having a tryst and they were using my house, I'd like to think I would be a bit more understanding. Like, I just, this is my friend. Like, maybe he's making a mistake. That's up to him. But like, it's fine. Let the man live. Like, just turn a blind eye. It's totally fine. It's none of my fucking business if they are cheating on their spouse. Like, you all have a good time. It's hurting nobody. Go to. Well, here's how I would fall. It'd be one of two ways. Neither neither pop culture character uh, is is a good representation of a good friend or a good man. But try and be honest here. Okay. <laughs> so I would either have the Jason Lee reaction from chasing Amy. <laughs> She's on my I couch. Would be maybe just upset that you <laughs> fucked on the couch right. yeah, instead yeah. of in your yeah. own room. Because uh-huh. uh, he plays uh, hockey on Sega Genesis on that couch. I think he laments relatable. That. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. You know, he comes back, I think, with comic books. He's got his whole morning set up as far as how he's going to use that couch. Yeah. And, of course, as usual, there's Ben Affleck with the lesbian <laughs> on the couch. And Obviously. The only harm uh, here is that, uh, you know, Jason Lee should have expected that. Yes. You know, if you room with Ben Affleck. It's going to happen. I don't care if they're gay or straight. <laughs> it's going to happen, buddy. I love how no matter what podcast uh, we do, it always goes back to Kevin Smith. Like, you just cannot stop it'll, yourself. It'll get there. <laughs> It'll it'll get there. I'll I'll have to bring on Maynard, uh, and I think even my co-host Webb on Trilogy and Theory, um, both of them. So projecting film, shout out to that show and Trilogy and Theory. Both my co-hosts, these people I surround myself with, have an affinity for Jersey Girl. I don't share that picture affinity, but it, you know, every time I bring up Kevin Smith, they like attack me back with Jersey Girl, and I'm like, okay, that's enough, Kevin Smith. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll shut up now. Yoga hosers is um, okay, but no Jersey yeah. Girl. <laughs> The other one I'll go to is George Costanza, who, <laughs> while I may be supportive, uh, you're going to give me details, uh, and you're yeah. going to get in the mood. For I think details that's fair. After that's it. I mean, if you if it's going to happen in my you know my place of living, right. I'll, I'll guard your secrets. But you've invited me into this story time, right? I mean, just I just want to know that it was good. Yeah. Just tell me that it made you happy and want, in, in some sick way that as, makes me happy. As your friend, I just want you to be happy, and I want to know about it. I don't see any issue with <laughs> right. <that. laughs> And I know, you know, the All right the thing to do should be like, well, you shouldn't allow that to happen in your home, sir. That is uh, untoward. And I don't have that reaction. And maybe that's a personal failing of mine. But like, I've known mm-hmm. plenty of people who have cheated on their spouses or on their boyfriends or their girlfriends. And then the other person never finds out. And it's fine. Like, nobody gets hurt. They move on from it. Because I think this movie actually does. Happy Valentine's Day. That's right. People. This is our Valentine's Day special. <laughs> I also think this movie does a great job of showing what it's like to be completely infatuated with someone. Like, I would struggle. Like, I think this is a romance. Like you said, a capital R romance. But is this one of the great love stories of all time? Like, if they stay together, is this a great love story? Probably not. But because you have that longing and that that bit of, like, should we, shouldn't we, I think that's what people hold on to. And, you know, them returning to the bridge together and them, you know, having their last meal and last tea together. Like, Wasn't that, that works. interesting, though? The bridge sequence. Because the first time they went to the bridge, 
was a moment of an unhappiness yeah. of confronting the uh, it's become a pure reality that this is going to end and I, I i admired the film for that that it wasn't just mm-hmm. a person or a persons being swept off their feet that it comes back pretty close to i think even maybe the second time they go to the movies do they start running into what's mm-hmm. my story for today that's yeah. so it becomes this it's it's not a dirty film as much as that's why it didn't get a perfect five stars from me. Uh, <laughs> but in their world, even something as innocent as going to the movies, um, and that's I think the one thing that she admits to her husband, she's like testing the waters. Yeah, and he he in one way absolves her of it, but then also like I think says something really hurtful that he's like, oh good good, I'm glad you had company. You know, a handsome right. doctor. All right, good for right. you. And it, it goes back to his newspaper, and I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking she is, she is someone that does not want to have an affair. She's asking for someone to step in, right, and stop her. She involves her friend. Um, she doesn't have a Jason Lee character that says, "Please don't fuck on my couch. Please don't ask me to be involved in this." Um, and no one does. No one. And you even have the. Uh, it's very sitcomish. Not the tone of the film, but they keep going back to. Uh, this you know waiting place for the train where you can uh, I don't know I don't guess you can get a bagel or something of that nature of the time whatever the, the, sure. the British slang is get your crumpets cakes or whatever, I don't know tea um, <laughs> biscuits and no cookies one, I don't know <laughs> it reminded me of the scene from Strangely Casino uh, where in the voiceover I think it's Pesci at that time is talking about how the money men they're doing all the counting no one eyeballs each other. So people can slip <laughs> cash into right. their pocket. We're like, all going to steal like, so we can't look at one another. Yes. <laughs> I felt that way in the this waiting place that you would think that these people that see these two have this somewhat clandestine meeting. Like, oh, I wonder if they're having an affair. Like that man and that woman are in here a lot. And they're always talking about like, you know, I just missed you or I knew there was no way to get a hold of you. But no one seems to really comment on it. It's like this is a place where... You know, ships can pass in the night, and we don't we don't uh, say anything about it. I did have one note on that uh, that place. <laughs> uh, it's a line. I don't know if I'll use it for my letterbox review. <laughs> the um, would you call her the bartender, the proprietor of this uh, establishment? Uh, calls a uh, a guy I guess too mouthy with her a saucy upstart. I liked that. Uh, there's some of these, some of this, <laughs> these, uh, this British slang that I'm like, ooh, I wish that came back. I wish I wouldn't mind being called a saucy upstart. You know, if I was interrupting my roommate Ben Affleck having sex with lesbians and he called me a saucy upstart, that would carry me for years. <laughs> Just <laughs> that one event in my life. <laughs> That's pretty solid. You know, it's funny as we're talking about this movie, I keep, you know, kind of thinking of. Of the last movie we talked about, mm-hmm. Unfaithful, and how many kind of yeah, well that I mean I'm always going to think about Diane Lane. What I was what I was referencing here is you know you mentioned you know the husband here just being kind of weirdly enabling and insulting uh, through this process. Like, well, glad you had a good time, honey. I'm going to finish my crossword now. Um, and there's something similar with Richard Gere in Unfaithful when she tells him like, oh, this man like you know helped me out, and he kind of plays with her a little bit is like was he was he handsome was he cute did you have a good time you know so there's very similar themes going on here where like maybe these men should be a little more uh a little more careful with how they how they word these things and like 
you know, stand up and be counted instead of just being like, oh, I'll send that uh, attractive Frenchman a nice bottle of wine. Like, maybe <laughs> maybe pay some attention to your wife, Diane Jeez, Lane, Dave. instead of sending her off to the, the, to the, the Italian in you or something. Like, it's going to be, uh, you know, a scene out of Goodfellas. <laughs> you become Get the hyper, hyper paranoid and, and territorial. Um yeah, the the comment you made in that that episode, uh, which I know everyone uh, here has listened to, because it was the sexy, the oh. sexy episode. Yeah, um, I would assume we're going to get more listeners for Unfaithful than we are. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know with movie podcast listeners specifically um, what what you'll get because Brief Encounter. So, which uh, I haven't asked where I wasn't paying attention. Which list did you pull this off of? Because I, I think this is like like top or top five like British film of all time where it's seen as such. Yeah. It's on two different lists. I think it's on one of the BFI lists and then it's on the 1001 movies you must see before you die. And I think it was like number 45 or something like that. So it's, I need to get better in my, it's uh, very well thought of podcast subtitling. Cause I don't think I've referenced 1001 movies uh, because uh, you know, that's, that's a bit much, but we, I think we've got AFI uh, a couple of times so far. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this one's, Fine, as far as the uh, if the British <laughs> want this to represent their uh, their culture, uh, do you, do you know if this was seen as controversial at all at its time? Was this seen as like an unfaithful type thing? I mean, I think it was actually pretty controversial um, for a couple reasons. Um, it makes changes from the original play. In the play you'd probably like the play better because they consummate the relationship. Uh, what yeah yeah <laughs> it's a noel coward play um so that was a change and also it's got like some class stuff going on and you know you bringing up the saucy upstart bit uh is very mm-hmm. interesting because there's there's this idea at this time in history with with kind of war efforts going on that like quote-unquote brief encounters were common um during during this time because men were off at war blah 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 all that stuff going on this stuff used to happen with the upper class a lot like throughout history but the middle class were like kind of the hard workers and just doing their job and kind of plugging along but during this time there were a lot more of these time probably right exactly but during this time these brief encounters start uh started to happen so i think it's interesting that quote-unquote below middle class folks like the bartenders and the people who work at the train station they see it all going down, and I think they probably notice what's happening, but they're not in a position in the world to say anything. Um, so they just kind of side-eye everybody. Like, even when the middle-class folks be like, give me some brandy, they're like, we can't. Yes, you can. And then they <laughs> just kind of give it up, like, oh, okay, I guess if you say so. Like it's. But I also noticed um, that um, I have now picked two movies in a row that have a suicide attempt. Uh, and that was not purposeful. I also had that thought. <laughs> I thought, okay, Dave is reaching out in some way. And instead, I'll just turn it back to chasing Amy and the decorum of fucking or not on someone's couch, a shared couch. Um, but yes, um, that might be one request that I would hope you can meet is, hey, how about in your third <laughs> selection for this project? Uh, let's stay as far away from suicide as possible. Not that it's not well done here um the the thought process of it um Mm -hmm. i i I could see that sequence you know we talked about in the apartment that it was somewhat of a turnoff because i felt uh that it kind of forced in that jack lemon 
into that like super good guy role yeah. uh, as opposed to letting romance take its maybe more natural course. Um, but I didn't mind it as much here, but it is theatrical, much like their conversations are. Like It, it mm-hmm. has this weird mix of the way they talk to each other is very practical. Uh, the way they literally express their love is, you know what's happened, right? I fall in love with you. And you love me too, don't you? Yes, I do love you too as well. Um, and you know that to be true, don't you? Yes, yes I know it yes, to be yes, true. I, like, I mean, it's like... You know that uh, I know, know and we know. Yes. <laughs> like, do we have a court reporter or someone? Like, we, we're trying to get this on the Can we read that back? Does she love me? Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's got that mixed with, uh, you know, the, the thought that uh, a woman would rather die then face one more unhappy moment because of the decisions that she's made to enter into this possible affair that they know have to end. And I can see that being a weird mix for people. Mm-hmm. I don't imagine it was in 1945 because mm-hmm. I think that the melodrama uh, and that style of acting in particular was far more acceptable. That was probably what I had the most difficult time with was I felt like at times the performances were incredibly naturalistic mm-hmm. But the dialogue and the situations and the things they have to express are right. are not treated. I mean, that this is before you, you get into that expected sort of authenticity, that getting in character that sort of Brando and, and his ilk brought into it. So you have to allow that. Um, I just thought it was weird that it was so mixed together. They would, it would swing like left to right in that way. Yeah, it's interesting because usually something I don't like in movies is voiceover. Um, usually that's kind of a like, oh, God, you know, we, we've gotten so used to not only that naturalistic acting, but that also that kind of adage of show don't tell. Like, don't tell me what you're feeling. I want to feel it. So show me. Um, but I think it works really well here uh, because I think if you don't have that voiceover and you just have their conversation at the end where like before that horrible, horrible woman shows up. Um, with her ridic- ridiculously shrill voice that I cannot stand, uh, which is great because I think it re- you really get in the heads of these characters. Like, not only are you interrupted, but you're interrupted by this harpy uh, that you cannot stand. <laughs> Easy, Dave. Easy. <laughs> Look, I'm trying to fit in with the time. I feel like that's a term they would use. Um, you're just being a saucy upstart. That's, that's right. That's right me. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Um, <laughs> so if you just have their conversation about him, you know, kind of saying, like, can I write you every once in a while and her saying no no we can't do this we have to stop and then you don't have the voiceover of her wishing that he would come back like you missed your train pretend you forgot something please come back to me that's all i want in this moment i think if you don't have that then if you have her like rush off to go jump in front of a train you're like what is wrong with this chick you he did what you asked and you still like come on but because you get into her headspace i think that scene really works and the camera work in that sequence where you kind of see the lights of the train going past her and you get the like rush of the wind like that really really works i think it works a lot better than in the last movie i chose where it seems kind of kind of out of place uh that (laughs) suicide attempt where this is like given how much she's obsessed with this with this man and this relationship that possibly could be not that you're like oh yeah i totally understand why she committed suicide but you get the thought process and it really really works and it makes it even more kind of heartbreaking that after that she kind of has to return to this normal life right with her husband in front of the fireplace who's doing his crosswords and you know, I guess the the one bit of hope you get is that he does notice that she's gone far away, 
that she's distant, at least in that moment. Um, I would love to see what the conversation is like after she breaks down sobbing in his arms, uh, after that moment, like, woman, what is, what is going on? Like, we were just having a pleasant evening see, in front of the fire. You do? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's I, I think so. Okay. Do you think he cares? Uh, do you think it's... if she would have cheated on him that that would have been the end of the world? Or where, where, where do you think he I don't he's get that in? impression from this guy. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, uh. Just don't talk about briefly, it. We'll be fine. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I just assume in the maybe the culture of the time that you just mm-hmm. it would be more offensive to uh, admit your guilt and your put those burdens even on the the right. wronged party. Um, but I, I felt like it was, you know, for the most part, I think the husband is like a sort of comical oaf of some yeah. sort. Like the yeah. the, the, the <laughs> he's no Richard Gear, where it's like, yeah, yeah, it's I, I can't wait. To go cheat on this dude, cannot wait. <laughs> like I get up, I start my day wondering how I'm going to cheat on him. Um, I I felt like that was a nice uh, sort of sucker punch there because we are so mm-hmm. totally into how this is affecting her and this sort of this private shame and this uh, like life sentence that she's sort of given herself of unhappiness mm-hmm. that. You know, you could also accuse of being a cheat. That's like, oh, all of a sudden there's a glimmer of happiness and hope that her husband is uh, paying attention to her. He no- basically just notices her and notices her plight for the first time as opposed to being oblivious. Um, but yeah, my my read if you know, Brief, brief Encounter 2, uh, which would be on, I guess, streaming on Cinemax as opposed <laughs> to HBO. You know, we dropped down if Mike is writing it, yes, that's... You know, we have uh, what is this actress's name? Because uh, as I'm just looking at this poster, that's calling it Essential Art House. They are really not pushing uh, Celia Johnson. Celia Johnson. Mm-hmm. I don't imagine that Brief Encounter Two has her in any sort of like windstorm where she mm. just can't can't just she can't keep her, her clothes on. Can't, that's can't the do aversion it. to clothes. <laughs> Noel Coward's Brief Encounter 2 is now sexually supercharged. Like, I just don't don't see it. Probably So, um, I felt like this is... The worst thing I can say about it is that uh, the tone uh, might just read as old. Old movie, old yeah. people, old mm-hmm. manner of dealing with problems. Uh, I would say that it's stagey... Um, in a good way, not yes. not in setting, but in sort of the the predicament and the performances dealing with that particular predicament. Uh, I I really dug this. I I would watch this uh, again, and I I don't know how I'd feel about it the second time around. Maybe I would uh, give it that half star back, Dave, because I, now I know there's no fucking, there's no hope <laughs> for me. I <laughs> I'm like much like the main character here. Uh, I know going into brief encounter that I'm in for unhappiness. Uh, that will not be consummated, uh, and it's, this is all Dave's fault. And yes. it somewhat scares me that <laughs> because of these movies that he chooses from these goddamn lists, uh, that Dave has suicide on the mind. Yeah, apparently, apparently. <laughs> I mean, I, there's just like two things I wanted to mention. One is that I love that, like when they first <laughs> when they first learn about each other's personalities, it's over mocking someone, which I'm very into. Uh, I think that's a good mm-hmm. way to start it any relationship is yep. talking shit. Uh, so I really like that where they just like notice apparently this god awful musician and they just can't stop laughing at them, which I really appreciate. And also I like the fact that there's some amount of eroticism in the normal, like when he's getting the whatever dirt out of her eye. Like that's a very nice moment. It kind of reminded me of uh, of The Handmaiden where you have that kind of tooth 
cleaning sequence, that filing down that becomes like intensely sexually charged. This is not certainly to that level, and I wouldn't call it intense, but you can see the charge between them in that moment. And I think that's, at least for me, watching this movie becomes enough to kind of push you through the staginess, the accents, the, you know, everything else that's going on, the kind of everything being so contained, because you have these few moments here and there, not only where you have that moment, but you also have these moments where they purely enjoy each other's company. Like, you can see why they're attracted to one another, both physically and kind of emotionally and, you know, in terms of that relationship. And that stuff all really works for me. And it was one of those movies when I first watched, I kept waiting for it not to work for me because of that time, because of that distance from it. But I was like, no, I get it, you know? And I like the fact that this sounds insulting. Just going to preface this. That, like, there's never a moment where they're like, oh my God, you are so beautiful. Like, even in her voiceover, and he has a nice face. Like, that's, that's it. Just a nice face. It's not like, oh my God, this is the ideal man. This is the ideal woman. It's just like, I love you. And that's nice. And it's a nice feeling. So it feels like two normal yeah, play people at this not. train station. Okay. For a second. Uh, if you have Wikipedia up, which has a, uh, um, a different poster. I wouldn't say that it's uh, necessarily more um, positive to our two actors. Um, I had the thought uh, when they kept projecting out, you know, he has a nice face or he's, that's a nice looking man. Mike's like, is, like he? is he though? <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> it's very angular. Cause I'm like, it's a very like yeah. uh, Fred Astaire kind of looking face. Um, which I'm not a fan of. Not hot enough for Ginger Rogers, as I've mentioned on other podcasts that I've been on. <laughs> I I feel like guys that have this type of literal face uh, would end up playing like um, creepy henchmen. Yes, like not an unnamed henchman, but would be like the uh, well, like the Martin Landau part in North by Northwest. Like yeah, distinctive I mean, looking. I mean, I think he would be out. he would be a place in like a Jimmy Cagney movie. Like, he looks yeah. kind of like, you know, he's he's not this type of character, obviously. Like, he's a very nice man in this, but you could easily see him playing a gangster uh, in, a, in a period movie, for sure. Yeah. So, not hot. And I'll, I'll say nothing about the uh, the poor lady that is thinking about throwing herself in front she's, of a moving train. She's got a nice face. It's fine. <laughs> no dying lane, though. <laughs> no, she's so, no dying lane. This round goes to Mike. Mike. I think who everyone is, knows. Who is, though? This... I mean, come on. That is... <laughs> I, don't, I mean, unless we were pairing it with, like, you know, Sharon Stone and Basic Instinct, I think we'd have a discussion there. But hard to compete with Diane Lane and her aversion to staying dressed. It's, it's, a, tough, it's a tough one to get past. Man, I am so glad that neither one of us is making the next selection because we're going to have a guest. <laughs> and I won't spoil what his selection is because uh, I feel like we need to have a middleman <laughs> at some point because yeah. otherwise – it is going to become just one big circular conversation where we're bouncing off of each other. Because when you said that, I'm like, okay, uh, what's next on the sexy agenda for me? Like <laughs> the, the theme will always be sexually supercharged, and we'll never exit see, out of it. See, can, just keep see the next choice would have been mine, so we might not have gone that direction. Can I tell you what I was going to choose? Uh, sure. That now yeah. maybe someday will be covered, but because both of the movies that we picked this month were very much two-handers. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. Even unfaithful, it starts off with being 
French guy and Diane Lane and then becomes Diane Lane and Richard Gere. And this is very much like just these two people. Like it's almost completely insular. So I was going to pick something opposite of that. And I was going to go with Robert Altman's Nashville, like something that has a lot of characters oh, really going to, okay. and it's a movie I've never seen, but I own. Uh, so I've been meaning to watch it, but I think like all Altman movies, it's probably 900 hours long. So I was like, Ugh, we'll get there eventually. So that yeah, was what I was going to go I, with. Uh... I uh, caught uh, the COVID and was off work for a couple of weeks. I started, um, and it's like staring at me from the PlayStation. I started Shortcuts. Like oh, I have yeah. the Criterion. Oof. Yeah. Started it, fell asleep, and now it's just like mean mugging me. Like, I know you gave up on me, right? You know, I'm, I'm still here. There's still quite a bit more Shortcuts to get to. And I'm like, I know, I know. Uh, we'll get there. Uh, watch Dying Lane. I mean, Oscar nominated role. That's right. You're very, very fancy, Mike. Only with the Oscar-nominated sex movies. The, the same, same for your uh, performance here. Oscar-nominated, maybe a bit more understandable than. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little more in that niche. <laughs> of than of <laughs> All right, so yes, join us uh, for the next episode where we have our first guest. And the only reason I'm not promoting who he or she is because I don't know. And how we record, which will come up next, um, because guests are unreliable. So it may just be more uh, sex talk with Mike and Dave. Hey. You're welcome. That, should have just made that our podcast. Be much better. I think I have an old logo somewhere that was titled that. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the, uh, you know, but the, the way you and I start podcasts, it could be in the next six months. Yeah, uh, you never know. As well. <laughs> That is a threat, dear listeners. Yes. yes. So keep listening to this one. Otherwise, we'll start another one. <laughs> we'll never give up. And we do. Yes, we do have social media accounts now, uh, even Instagram. Uh, so that means it's time for Diane Lane upskirt pics so I can get Hell the follower yeah. count ups. <laughs> That's right, baby. <laughs> Like I said, hey, we talked about this. This is about a film now. <laughs> We're not just posting up here pics for fun. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, on Twitter, at OffScreenDeath, and I think, unfortunately, on Instagram, at the TheOffScreenDeath, because some little prick posted one time and locked his account and got OffScreenDeath. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> I feel like, Could you back tell to that Kevin I meant Smith, that? we should, uh, you know, go the Jay and Silent Bob route and track these people down. <laughs> Get them to give up that their account. That one might be coming up on the podcast. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back might be a selection. <laughs> Can't wait. 